But I, I claim that just knowing the Lord as my Savior, so enthused with trying to, uh, to do that which he has uh, ordained to be done, and through this he has given me the opportunity by a gift to express to the people that uh, where I don't have the education to do it, maybe the works will express that I, I am his servant and, and you are my brother and sister, and that will do the vindication of it. And maybe that will let you know that I love you, God loves you, and together we hope to spend an endless eternity together in a land beyond the river somewhere else. Next week, next Sunday, beginning a week from this Sunday, as I made the little rude expression, I'm going to begin in your suburbs now, next uh, week from this coming Sunday, that's Chicago, see, up here, suburbs of this city. And uh, so we, uh, I don't know just where it's at, is uh, Mr. I never call that Italian name, Patosky. What? Patosky. Uh, as he announced where those services will be held in Chicago, it's already been announced on the platform. I don't even know myself where they're at. And um, so we'll find it some way. I get there and call Brother Carlson, somebody, and find out where I'm supposed to be. And so we are expecting great things in Chicago next week. We would be happy for you to be our be our guest there in Chicago. And there any other meeting that we could ever be at. Now, one time I have said the nights would never get too dark or the rain would never fall too hard but what I would come to you to help you to anything that I could pertaining to the kingdom of God or any other thing that I could help you. If I had a little money, if, I, if you needed it, it'd be yours. That's right. I'd do that. Anyone who knows my life and my family, it's the same way. My poor old father has gone on today. He didn't live the right life on earth. He had one bad habit, drinking. If he met a man on the street, a perfect stranger, and a man was hungry and he had one biscuit, he'd break it in two with him. We believe in helping those who are needy and helping. I wish I could say I'd come to you any time. I'd like to say that, but I can't. There's too many. Just this little meeting here, which is just a little small group of people. I think the world over millions. See, I couldn't justly say that. But I'll do this for you. I'll do everything I can. If you, if you want me to pray over a handkerchief like this year, send it to you. If you don't need it now and you want it anyhow, you send get it. There's no charges on nothing. We don't charge for anything. There's no charges for services. Even to our books. That's not my books. They belong to different people that wrote those books. I buy them at 40% less. I've given my book agents to them. They say so at the door. If a man, woman, boy, or girl comes in once on them books and they haven't got the money to pay for it, give it to him anyhow. And we always lose on the books. There's no way of making uh, even ends break. And the picture of the angels of the Lord, that doesn't belong to me. That belongs to the Douglas Studios and it's copyrighted and could not be reproduced because you'd be breaking the rights of the copyright. So they're not ours. And we just bring them along because we think it would help somebody. And buying them books at 40% less and maybe lose 10 or 15% of them before you get it to you. Then you've got to pay for these boys to sell these. The church gives them so much a week. And by the way, it isn't mine. It's the tabernacle takes care of that. And everything that we do is free of charge. Now, I'm not trying to get your address. I don't, as I say, I've got... 
Well, my secretary, he does my work. I don't know whether, are you here, Jim, today? I don't know whether he got over or not. His father-in-law is here, I think, and his mother-in-law, Mr. and Mrs. Fred Stockman. They are here. His wife answers the phone. Brother Jim does the typing. Brother Leo Mercer does the field work. He was here just a moment ago. His associate here. They, these boys work for the Brandon Tabernacle, which I'm associated with, which is an independent, sovereign church charter at Jeffersonville and Clark County. And it's a non-profit foundation, and the money that comes into the church and so forth is, goes into the farm fields to sponsor poor people who doesn't have the money to stand for me to come over there, but yet they need me real bad. And I take that money as soon as they get enough filled up and go over to the farm fields to preach to those the same gospel that you have a privilege to see. And therefore, I know as a steward of his money, I'm going to have to answer for it at the day of the judgment. And I take it myself, as long as I'm young enough to go and can go, I want to go to be sure that I preach and bring them the message that you donated for them to hear. The credit all be yours at that day. I'm just a servant to take the message. I suppose, as the boys once said a while ago, they've taken a love offering for me. That wasn't necessary. I didn't come for that. I've been preaching 31 years. I pastored the Baptist Tabernacle for 17 years. Go look the books. I never asked anybody across the nation anywhere. I never took an offering in all my life. I never in all my life. One time while pastoring the Tabernacle, we as poor people, we run a little short in money. We all know what that is, don't you? We just had some debts we had to meet, wife and I. Billy was quite small then. And I, I said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take up an offering tonight. That's the closest I ever come to it. And um, an old brother that's in glory today, Brother Weinhardt, we didn't have an offering plate. We used to put it in the papers in the city, the church, which has no offering plate. I worked, labor, whatever I could do to make a living in the church, not because they wouldn't support me. I could work. Why not work? Other men work. All work. Why not me? And the reason is tremendous strain of the work from place to place, or I'd still, I'd rather come right here and take a rock and hammer and go out here on the street and work all day, come and preach to you at night. That'd be my desire if I could do it. That's before God in my Bible. But we had to get a little money. I needed about five dollars, and I made a promise and a debt on it. I, I just didn't have it, and we couldn't get it. So I said, I'm going to take up an offering tonight. My lovely little wife. If there's any credit goes to the Brand family, let it go to her. She's the one who stood between me and the public and all the things that's been done is let her have the credit. She says to me, Billy, I'm going to go over and watch you do that. <laughs> I got up that night. She was sitting back. I said, friends, I've been pastoring here, I guess, about 12 years. I said, I've never took an offering. I'm just a little bit in need tonight. I really need about five dollars. I said, I, if, I we're going to pass a hat around. If you got a nickel or two, you could not a congregation as much as sitting on this floor right here. And I said, if you would want to have got a nickel or a dime, you'd like to help me to it, I'd appreciate it very much. We didn't have no offering plate. I said, Brother Weinsworth, would you get my hat? I had to look down there and a little old woman, she's in glory today. Her name is Mrs. Weber. She had one of these Little aprons on, it's got a pocket underneath the apron. Did you women ever see one of them? I guess your mother wore them years ago. She got down there and got a whole one of these little pocketbooks that's got a snap on top of you, you know, 
is doing hard times now. That's been about 25 years ago. She unsnapped that little pocketbook and began to feel around all that nickel. I couldn't do it. I, I just couldn't do it. That's all I was doing. I, I looked down there and I thought, oh, mercy. Oh, I said, I was just teasing you. I couldn't see what she was saying. I was just going on to him. Brother Weisler had my hat in his hand. Oh, I said, Brother Weisler, I ain't my hat. I was just teasing the church. And so I went over home and I thought, well, I went out to the store and got a 10 cent can of paint. There's an old man who's gone on to glory now. Brother Gene, you remember my old brother Ryan. He used to have long hair and long beard. He rode this bicycle down there and he gave it to me. It, uh, it backslid on him and, no, that ain't good for a Baptist to say, is it? <laughs> Let's just say it wore out. <laughs> it just wore out. And uh, I'm a Baptist, I'm a Pentecostal Baptist, you see, a Baptist. It's got the Holy Ghost. So I said, um, went over and got this old bicycle and went out and got me a can of paint, painted up, for me it looked pretty good, sandpaper it off and set it out front and sold it for five dollars. Never had to take a call for after all. <laughs> so that's the closest I ever come to it. Thank you, my friend, for what was in the offering. It'll go to the treasury and from that we'll go to the farm fields to bring this message to the heathens and those people who don't have one meal maybe once a week to eat on. That's where it'll go. And may the God of heaven return it to you a hundredfold and put golden bricks in that home of yours beyond the sky. My friend. Write to me anytime now that you wish. Call me on the phone. Many times I'm kind of not around Jeff very much. My address Jeffersonville, Indiana, Post Office Box 325. If you can't think of the 325, just that Jeffersonville. And if you want to call me, my number is Butler 21519. If you can't get into that number, then call Butler 23826. Can't get that, call Butler 36771. Can't get that, call oh, very stop that. But anyhow, the main number to call to get me Butler 21519 at 1519. At the office, and they could tell you about where I could be located. Any hour of the night or anything I could do to pray for you with the phone, send you a prayer cloth or anything, absolutely free. There's nothing to do. Be glad to do it. And now, I suppose, there's been things happening in my last three meetings that startled me. This morning I sat with my son for nearly an hour, and I said, Billy, what's wrong? Last night, I come forth again. I'm leaving the field. What's the matter? Am I going home? Is my work finished? Is my this type of ministry done? Am I going through the foreign fields? I don't know how to say those things, but something's fixing to happen. I don't know what it is. So, if it is to feel beyond the river yonder, over to the heathen, wherever it might be, I feel that America has had its message. And if it is, I want to ask you a favor. Until we meet again at the great river yonder at the end of the road, would you pray for me? Thank you. When the witch doctor is challenging me to a debate, when the demons of all sorts in the foreign fields, if I shall be called, as they usually do, I'll remember it, over around Bloomington, Illinois, in this roundabout city, I got a bunch of people on a Sunday afternoon who raised their hands, I'll be praying for you. And when I have to walk out before to meet it, I'll know that I'm covered by the blood in your friend.
And we bow our heads now for a word of prayer. Gracious Father, we're giving thanks to Thee from the depths of our soul for all that we have heard from You. We have read from Your Word and seen You make manifest to us this week. We thank You for this fine people, for this fine ministers, for their fine churches, for this great college, for this auditorium, for all that has been done and said, for the ushers, for the musicians, for the singers. Just everything, Father. If I miss out any, bless them, Father. You've seen every little move, every little gracious move. You've seen the mother, the daddy, put in a portion of their living to support this meeting. They did it because that you were speaking to them. We could not give it back to them and would not because it would rob them from the blessing that lays just beyond. For one day we read in the Bible. That where Jesus was watching the rich put a lot of money in the offering. But a poor widow came by and put in about three pennies. Lord, I guess if I'd have been standing there, I would have gone up and grabbed her hand and said, Don't do that, sister. We got enough in here. But you were standing there and you didn't stop her. For you knew what lay just ahead. You knew it should return it to her a hundredfold. So, Father, I know that you, your great eye, watched every move that we've made. We pray that whatever we have done and the feeble efforts that we have, that's been pleasing in your sight. I realize, Father, that I'm speaking this afternoon to men and women I'll perhaps never see again in this life. Many aged are sitting here and many sick. Someday I hope to meet him there at the river when they're transformed from this life. Young men and women washed in the blood of the Lamb with bodies that will never have another healing service. Nor will there be another sinner weeping around the altar. I pray that you'll bless them. Bless these ministers, these shepherds of yours. That in the midst of criticism, when Father, because of her true stand of the word, my name's not too good among them. But they wasn't ashamed. They called me anyhow. Oh God, bless their ministry. May they realize that these things are only to bring the church back to its right standing. Only to shake us back, Lord, to where the Holy Spirit can build upon a real true foundation. Upon really born again men and women. Father, not because I don't love their organizations and nominations, just because I see the systems are letting the people get too loose. Help us, God. You know my heart, how I love them. And I pray that you'll bless us together as we turn to your word now for the final reading, the closing of this revival, or not this revival, Lord, this eight days of efforts, but may the revival never close. May it go on and on. May it live so the result will still be here when Jesus comes. But I pray that you'll do something this afternoon that will cap it all off. That will cause the people to hear the word in such a way that the Holy Spirit will plant the seed deep in their heart. My heart still goes to that poor little girl I met there in the door a few minutes ago, sitting twisted up in that wheelchair. How that you sprung down and told her how she'd become that way. What she was when she was a little girl. 
and told her the reason that she's not well walking around right now. God, may that never leave that child's heart. She typed a letter of invitation to me. I pray, God, that that child will be here. May it never leave her little heart and know that that was not me standing there. That was the Holy Spirit speaking through the servant of yours. Telling her exactly what was truth, what she was, what she is, and what she can be. May it never leave her. Bless all who are sick and afflicted this afternoon. As your servants stand, we pray for the sick. May they all be healed. May the lost be saved. And God receive glory for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Pray for Brother Roberts, Billy Graham, Tommy Osborne, Tommy Hicks, great man of God out in the field today. Pray for them. Won't you do it? You pray for those brothers. They're fighting a hard battle. My heart bleeds for them. Pray that they'll stay true to the gospel. And when it's all over, we'll all gather together as one big family. Have we any more of the books left from the businessmen's about the vision? They're all gone. If you, anybody here that never got a copy, raise your hand. Never got a copy. A few. I suppose if you would just write to the Christian businessman voice, Los Angeles, they'll, they probably have a few thousand of them left. They'd be glad to send you one free. I suppose they'd, they'd be a charge, it wouldn't be a dime or something, I don't know, just something for the printing cost. It's got the vision, and I want you to read it. And before this open Bible, before my God, I should know what visions mean. That wasn't a vision. I was there. I seen it. I don't want to. I hate to say that because someone thinks you're trying to impersonate the great Saint Paul. I'm not saying that. That I'm just saying it. I know that somewhere just beyond here, there's a land we live again. How could I ever? I said when coming back, let me do all that I can. I can't. Re- I'm not responsible for what others say. I have to answer for my own sake. I don't know what you might say. I've heard people say that. I hope that every bit of it was true. I hope that every bit was true. Brother and sister, before God, this was true. It was true. I, I was just as I am now, only a young man again, standing somewhere looking at people that were from old and turned young. And there was no sickness, no sorrow, no death. They were different. And yet he told me it was greater than that yet to come. That would be good enough for me for all times. I have thought this afternoon, excuse me, I don't want to be a baby, but when you meet people and then know you have to leave them and maybe you know old people like this, if I come back a year from now, I'll probably never see you again. And it just does something to me. But let's try to get now over to Genesis, the 22nd chapter. And uh, I want to read just a part of the 14th verse. I'll quote it to you. And Abraham called the name of the place Jehovah-Jireh, as it is said unto this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. Genesis 14, 
22, or Genesis 22, 14, pardon me. Now, I just want to give close, your close attention as I just teach this. Now, I'll be quickly. I've got 300 miles in this blizzard to drive this afternoon to meet an obligation tomorrow. So, now, I, but I want you to be sure to try to catch it, to cap off what I've said this week of the coming of the Lord being at hand. And now, if you got a pencil and paper, I have about 20 scriptures written out here. If you would just like to refer to them as we read along and jot down little notes, because I truly think that this is the, uh, what the most timely thing that the Holy Spirit has ever let me uh, speak of. And I, I trust that in doing this that you'll understand that I, I can only speak it. The Holy Spirit will have to interpret it. Now, I spoke this twice already, and this is the third time approaching this same message because it's so timely. And I'm titling this, and if you miss it, it'll be on tape if you got a tape recorder while the boys will send you the tapes. And now just write to them, I guess they, you know, their address and so forth. If you don't, well, just write to me there and it'll be brought over in their box. And they are a foundation of their own. They're the audio mission uh, at Jeffersonville and two fine boys, Mr. Mercer and Mr. Gold. And I guess you've heard their story, how they become associates of mine. It was because they come there to try to expose me, form themselves a little FBI. They were coming there and didn't think that that them visions were true, and come there investigating around, acting like they were ministers, and the Holy Spirit uncovered their life right before them. So they have become my associates, one of them a Catholic, a French Catholic, Mr. Mercer, just here his conversion was a bartender. Mr. Gold sitting here, I believe, formerly was a, from people from the Methodist Church, wasn't your people? Backslidden Nazarene. <laughs> Well, you just worked in an office somewhere, didn't you, uh, Brother Gold, in uh, uh, Gary, Indiana. A bartender and an office boy. A backslidden Nazarene and a Roman ca and a French Canadian Catholic together to expose me. <laughs> and I'm, if I'm doing anything wrong, I want to be exposed. Uh, I, I won't be right now. This is time to make it right. Not after you get over there. Let's get it right now. I found them to be real gentlemen, honest, real boys. When they ask me if they can make tapes, they have to have something to live by. Mr. Mercer's married now. Mr. Gold's in the making. <laughs> There's any young ladies that... <laughs> this face isn't ready now. Gee, I just did that so it would be a change from get myself so I could get back to the text. <laughs> Fitness, he's a fine man. He's my buddy. A real brother. Now, I'm going to title this Abraham and his seed after him. And I want to climax at, 
at Genesis 22:14, and Jehovah Jireh. Now we know that God has seven compound redemptive names. We all are acquainted with that. Jehovah Jireh means the Lord will provide for Himself a sacrifice. Jehovah Raphi is Jehovah, the Lord, our healer. Jehovah Manassas, our banner, our buckler, our shield, our so forth, on seven compound redemptive names belongs to Jehovah. And his first name is Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide for himself a sacrifice. Now, listen close, and if you have to, just make yourself, if somebody's whisper next to you, say, would you just be quiet just a moment, please, till I get this. Then they'll do it. They'll be nice. Now we're going to start back, go back in the back, after we've got here where I want to bring this sermon to the climax, let's go back to Genesis, the twelfth chapter, if you want to write these places down. Genesis, the twelfth chapter. And now we're going to talk about Abraham. Now remember that Abraham, the promise was made to Abraham. We're all acquainted with that. Is that right, my third brother? The promise was Abraham to him. And Abraham was not a Jew. Abraham was a Gentile. He come down from the tower from Babylon with his father, and he dwelt in the land of Shinar, the valleys, and, and uh, dwelt in the city of Ur, the land of the Chaldeans. And he, um, the, the Chaldeans dwelt in that land, and he was in the city of Ur, and perhaps a farmer. And he was 75 years old before God called him. He had married his half-sister, and her name was Sarah. His name was Abram. And they were uh, just two ordinary people. And one day God called Abraham and made a covenant with Abraham. Now watch. And his seed after him. Now, I'm going to put up two books here and call these books, see, to Abraham and his seed after him. Now, what he did for Abraham, he done for his seed after him. All of it understands that clearly, and I say amen. That Abraham and his seed after him. Now, if we'll notice in Genesis 12 that God called Abraham by election, not because Abraham had done anything to deserve it, no more. He might have been an idolater. I don't know. And Babylon, they worship roots. And if you ever read Hossus to Babylon, the ancient history, you would find out that Babylon founded by Nimrod. It was just perfectly idolatry, that's all. And he was, uh, uh, we find Babylon in the first of the Bible, in the middle of the Bible, and in the last of the Bible. And it was uh, an organization system. Uh, Babylon was a leading city that made all the other little cities pay tribute to it. See, kind of like... Uh, a headquarters somewhere, and where orders went out, all the rest of them had to pay into that one place. And Abraham had come down from there with his father. Now, God 
called him by election. Now, brethren, my precious darling brethren, if I happen to get out of order in the scriptural doctrine, will you just forgive me for it and go with my ignorance? Would you do it? <laughs> and my a theological brethren out there, if you feel that I'm, my doctrine is wrong, will you just forget it, see, just? Now, many of you people are writing me letters and say, Brother Ben, should we do this and do that? I always say, ask your pastor, see, because I'll do anything I can answer you on the great fundamental evangelical doctrines of the Bible, but when it comes to about, uh, should we do this and do that, I always refer to your pastor because we might, each man... And there isn't two here, but what would disagree with one another on little technical things, whether we should comb our hair on the right side or left side, and mine, I have no trouble with that. So, <laughs> so uh, but you know what I mean. We, we have those things, so I always just say that every congregation ask your pastor those things. If he has led you far enough to be saved and filled with the Holy Ghost, can't you trust him the rest of the way through? God honored him for that. But on bringing this timely thought to the people this afternoon. I'm going to have to use just a little bit of doctrine that might be set, and, uh, something like that. But if you don't think it's right, just lay it aside and go on. If the pastor teaches anything a little different, forget what I said about it. See? Because I'm trying to come to a point. I hope that's all right. I hope that's made clear. But, you see, Abraham, not being nothing himself, he was... He was called by election. Then if Abraham was called by election, then his seed after him has to be called by election. Right? Jesus said, No man can come to me except my Father draws him first. And all that the Father hath given me will come to me. That's the reason you just preach the gospel in its plainness. Yet the elected sheep of God will hear that and catch it right quick, and they'll believe that baptism of the Holy Ghost, where others will walk away and make fun of it, because they were elected to hear it. So you see now why that the church itself is elected, pre-elected by God. Now let me take the word out of First Thessalonians, the first chapter there, where it said predestinated. Now, that's not a good word to use before people, because predestinated is a... It would be better if we used it like this, that it was by foreknowledge. God, by his foreknowledge, could predestinate to his own glory. See? See? He, he didn't say, I'm going to choose you, and I'm going to send you to hell, and I'm going to choose you and send you to hell. That wasn't God's idea. He wanted all of us to come to heaven. But being God... He foreknew who would come and who would not come. Now that turns up Romans four, uh, Romans nine and uh, eight and nine. There, where it says that the election of God might stand sure that before either boy was born, talking of Esau and Jacob, God said, "I love Jacob and hate Esau." See, His foreknowledge let him know that there, uh, Esau was nothing but just a uh, a little shyster, anyhow, and that Jacob had recompense to that birthright. So, see, his foreknowledge lets him know. If he didn't know the end from the beginning, then he wasn't God. See? And the Bible said that we, the church... Now, I want you to remember there is three classes of people. Three classes of people in the world always has been and will be to the end. Now, let's say that together. Three classes 
my people, unbelievers, make-believers, and believers. Keep that in mind. Three classes of people. Now, now the class that was elected before the foundation of the world and were called in Christ before the foundation of the world. How many knows that Christ was the Lamb of God slain before the foundation of the world? Well, how was he slain? In God's great program, he knew that he would, he would project the Son, and that Son would be the Savior of his people. Is that right? So when God speaks the thing, it's already finished. Oh, brother. If, where's that little sister that I had the vision was over a few minutes ago, sitting on in the wheelchair. If you could see that sister, dear, it would be over for you. When God speaks anything, when God makes a statement, it is for as long as he says so, it's perfect, it's got to come to pass. It just has to. And then when his word comes into us, no matter what we do, what we look like, what we think of, it's got to come to pass. See? So God don't run his business if he saved, he sure knows he's going to lose us after a while. He poor businessman, and so therefore, all that he foreknew, he has what called. All that he has called, he has justified. All that he has justified, he has already glorified. Now there's going to be a church meeting there without spot or wrinkle. Brother Bam, you in? I hope so. But we work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. And when you see your life not coping up with God's Word, no matter what church you belong to, you know you're out of order. See? And if you just do your, if you do your religion because you know it's something that you're supposed to do, you're just playing the part of a hypocrite. If it isn't from your heart that you love God, then you're wrong to start with. You love. It's love that controls the whole thing. Now, now watch. Abraham was called by election. Nothing Abraham did. And I noticed the covenant and Genesis 12, see, the whole covenant was given to Abraham. The whole covenant is completely grace. See? Not Abraham, if you'll do a certain thing, I'll do a certain thing. It wasn't, if, if you'll do this, I'll do this. God makes a covenant with a man, and man always breaks his covenant. He told Adam, if you will not eat from that tree, you'll live. But Adam, eat from it. And he told him the covenant that he made with them at the Mosaic covenant in the wilderness there. They broke it. Every time that God makes a covenant with man, man breaks it. But this time, God made a covenant with Abraham and his seed unconditionally. Now, do you understand? Not Abraham, if you will do this, I will do this. But Abraham, I have already done it. I've already, you'll come to me, you're already saved. You'll come to me in a ripe old age. He's already done it. And now it isn't today, 
if you will do a certain thing, if you will do this, if you that, it's already finished. Now, if you'll go away and learn a good education, if you'll know all this, that, the other, um, I'll, I'll heal you. I'll save you. If you'll get a bachelor of art, I have already done it. It's finished. I just want you to reach out here and get it. That's all. You see what I mean? Abraham, only thing that Abraham had to do was abide in his covenant. He didn't have to do nothing for the covenant. God done made that with him. He just had to stay put. Hallelujah. I begin to get religious. See? When we know this, that the only thing we have to do to inherit any of God's promises is to stay put on God's Word. Let nothing shake you from it. Now notice, he perfectly typed Abraham and his seed after him. I'm going to follow the junctions of Abraham's life and then follow the junctions of Abraham's seed and see if God kept his word letter by letter. Now, Abraham, we know that there's only one way that we can be saved, and that is being in the covenant with Abraham because it was made to Abraham. But the Bible said, we be in Christ. We be dead in Christ, take on Abraham's seed, and are heirs with Abraham. Is that right? Now, Christ is the royal seed of Abraham. Out of Abraham come Isaac, out of Isaac come Jacob, out of Jacob come Joseph, out of Joseph, so forth, on down, David, David, on, on, so and so, to finally the royal seed was born, which was Christ, and in Christ made Abraham the father of all nations. And the Abrahamic covenant is confirmed to the people, un, or given to the people unconditionally. Now you read in the twelfth chapter, he made the covenant with Abraham unconditionally. He called Abraham. I heard people say, I stopped God and I stopped God and I stopped God. You're mistaken. God stopped you and stopped you and stopped you. What are you seeking God? God seeking you. Well, the very beginning proved it. Adam, Lord, been Adam hard. Father, Father, where are you? Of sin, of sin, Father. But it was God sent Adam, Adam, where are thou? See? So it's always, could you go out and tell a pig that he's wrong because he's eating slop? Would he believe it? No. You tell you tend to his own business. And that's the way the sinner, you can't tell him nothing. He won't listen to you. He won't even step in church five minutes to listen to you. He's a pig to begin with. He's a scavenger, a vulture. That's his nature. See? So you can't tell him nothing because that's just what he is. He's a vulture. You can't feed on good things. Now, notice. Then when you get that, what God said to Abraham, he called Abraham and if you ever was called, it wasn't you doing the seeking. It was God sought you. And by God's grace, he saved you. Not because you did something, not because that you're worthy of it, but because God's grace to you did it. Everybody understand that? Say amen. amen. Now we're getting started. Now what was it? When God took a man and called him first, what was that? Justification. Abraham, in regards of hearing the voice of God speak to him, Believe on the Lord God. Is that right? Yes. That 
Therefore, he was justified by faith by believing on the Lord God. Is that what we are? Seed of Abraham? Romans 5, 1. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 5, 1. Now, Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness, or allowed to his account for righteousness. How do you do? You say, well, I, I'm, I'm some of the, I, I'm the Joneses. I, I live in a certain, that don't have one thing to do with it. God calls you and you accept the call. And by your faith, by accepting Christ, the royal seed of Abraham, which calls you, then you're justified by faith. Is that right? That's the only way I know it. That's the scripture as far as I know. I know I was a sinner, right? God stopped me in the middle of my sin and knocked at my heart's door, and I turned and looked down and said, Who is it? He said, I'm your Lord. I said, Then, Lord, let me come. I never stopped and said, Hey, Lord. Hey, where are you at? I want to talk to you a while. See? <laughs> no, you don't do that. It's God stops you. So, now it's by grace that God called you, not what you did, what you could do, what you will do. If you're the seed of Abraham, God spoke to you by His amazing grace. Just like He did Abraham in the 12th chapter of Genesis. Now, now and then notice, as soon as Abraham believed God by justification, believing on the Lord, we're justified, immediately God called Abraham to total separation from all unbelief. That way in you, separate yourself from your kindred, from all your associates. Come out of the pool rooms. Come out of the dance halls. Come away from the things of the world. God calls for a total separation to Abraham's seed. Oh, that's what he called Abraham. Are you patterning? This instrument is Abraham. This instrument represents his seed after him, and the covenant was made to both Abraham and his seed after him. As Abraham was called by grace by election, so was his seed called by grace and election. See? They heard the voice of God, and believed God, and it was imputed to him for righteousness. Heard the voice of God in a barroom. Ever work with that, and believed God, and Abraham was commanded to abstain and to separate himself from the things of the world, and so is the seed of Abraham. Separate themselves from the seed of the things of the world. Justification by faith. We could stay on that the rest of the afternoon, but we got to hurry. Now, as we find out, Abraham never fully obeyed. Now, that's why a lot of us people, as soon as we go and make a confession, we think, well, now we join church and we're going to be pretty good people. We're neighbors. It won't hurt to smoke a little or, oh, fine, just keep my card party going. That won't hurt anything. But remember, God never did bless Abraham until he fully obeyed. And God will not bless his seed until you fully obey. Separating himself from the things of the world. Come out from among them. Be separate, saith the Lord. I will receive you. Touch not for unclean things. You abide me in my word and you ask what you will and it will be done for you. See? 
Now, you see, you've got to come out from the world. But what did Abraham do? Oh, he had his nephew along, Lot, the church member, lukewarm, and his daddy, the old man with the fly in the ointment, as long as he stuck around. And, and uh, he took some of the things along, and that's just the way we try to do. We try to pull into the churches, into our organizations, the things of the world. Now, my Methodist friends, I love you. My Baptist brethren, I love you. The same as I love my Pentecostal brethren, or whatever it is. But you see, we're trying to pull the things out of the world and carry it right along with us like Abraham did. I'm not unchristianizing you by your organization. I'm only telling you you're not fully obeying God until you separate yourself. Now, when you still run to picture shows to see every kind of an old picture, when you stay at home and let your meetings out early tonight so that you see some uncensored television program. So that you can go down in your basement and some of you Protestant churches doing that and having bunk code games and dance in the basement. Soup suppers. Little friendly dances. And what's called the YMCA preaching rock and roll. And listen, you my Methodist brethren, when about six weeks ago, my mother, she's a Methodist too. When she called me down to the house and here in Indiana, they having a rock and roll dance in the Methodist church on television, covering up the orders and the things like that. And they asked, the, even the sponsor, the, the television man, said, don't you think this, uh, the, the people who criticized it said, too long has the Methodist church forgot the beautiful art of rock and roll. If John Wesley knew that, it turned in his brain. Too much have you went to the things of the world. You know what? You Methodists, I talked to Jack Schuler. That's one of the, one of the finest men you've done. you got millions of fine man Methodist church people. Some of the best. I'm looking at the face of two Methodist ministers right now that's bosom friends of mine. There isn't better man stands than shoe leathers, I know of. Right. But you're forgetting. You're not separating yourself. Some Wesley was one who started Christian sanctification and separate yourself from the things of the world. And you Methodist women wearing shorts, makeup on your face. And don't you know what your pastor said about such stuff as that? But you've got a weak pulpit and a big building. That's what's the matter with you. And don't you just look over and laugh at the Baptist or Baptist, you're the same, and Pentecostal, you're the same. Now, we just have to make it right now, that's all. Now, what a pity it is. Don't you know that if you're the seed of Abraham, you've got to separate yourself from the things of the world because it was made to Abraham and his seed after him? And Abraham never did come into the blessing. No wonder on this ground here, down at Wheaton College, down at Asbury, over to Moody, where we're going next, but in Chicago to Moody. Why don't they have revivals like you used to? You're not separating yourself, children of Abraham. How will God ever deal in a place like that when he can't even get you to live morally? That's right. You can never have a revival based upon such stuff as that. 
Now you say, Brother Brendan, you get angry and let the Lord be my judge. But if somebody don't tell you, if something doesn't take place, you're going to wind up down on the little end of school. Now, come out of such a thing. You, you who are. What about the Methodist church, you Methodist people, when you used to go down the road and you Methodist here when you first come and ask where over here, and you had the old-fashioned meeting when people fell on the floor with the Holy Ghost laying there, kicking and screaming and throwing their hands up and you dash water in their faces and things like that to bring them to? Oh, God! Methodist, what happened to that experience? What happened? Something went wrong. You see, you're drifting all along and getting out of the way from the seed of Abraham. Now what's God the next thing? Now that was justification to hurry up. Now what did God do now in Genesis 12? He Saved Abraham by election, and Abraham was justified by faith, believing on God's word. Is that right? Baptist, is that where you got it? Methodist, that's where you got it? Pilgrim Holiness, Nazarene, Pentecostals, that's where you got it? Sure, exactly right. Now, what's the stage of the journey? On they went. To make it quick now, I want you to go with me to the next place now to Genesis 15. A lot of things in there we can take week. Week, week after week on, but just to bring these stages to you, to show you what he did. In the 15th chapter, Abraham began to wonder, how will I ever know these things? Then God confirmed the covenant to him. He gave him a confirmation of the covenant. In Genesis, the 15th chapter, we find that out. When he completely separated himself Locked down into Sodom, and the old man died, and Abraham separated himself and got alone, and God began to speak to him. Baptists do that. Methodists do that. Pentecostals do that. Separate yourself from the things of the world and see if God's going to go to talking to you. Separate yourself from the things of this life and find out if God's going to talk to you. But when he completely did it, he said, Now, See that you made me a promise of a son, and I go childish, and my only heir is this Eliezer of uh, Damascus. Said, How am I going? How's it going to be done? Now, listen close to all of you. Now, there, Abraham in Genesis 1 was justified by faith. Now, here comes in your John Wesley doctrine. Here comes in your, your sanctification or your confirmation of the covenant. Remember, Abraham took a she goat. A heifer and three animals, a goat, a sheep, a heifer of three years old, then three being the confirmation of threes, I told you again, the whole three years old, and he killed them and split them apart. Is that right? Then he took a turtle dove and a pigeon, which represents divine healing, never separated them. Notice that? He never, the Bible said he, when you're reading this back now after I'm gone, he never separated the pigeon and the dove because why? There was a change in the covenant from Christ to the, from the Lamb until the Lamb of God. But divine healing has always been based upon your faith. He never separated the dove 
and the bird. He laid them down there, but he did split the three years' sacrifices. Now, what was it? The shedding of the blood. The first one of Abraham's seed in the church age. Do you believe the church age started after Pentecost? Do you believe that first round there of Jews and so forth? Then do you believe the first reformation of the called out church for the rapture was Lutheran's group? Sure it was. He preached, the just shall live by faith. He refused the communion of being the literal body of Christ and threw it on the floor. That young priest Martin Luther and preached the just shall live by faith. Is that right? John Wesley preached sanctification, the second death and work of grace. Is that right? Separating himself from the things of the world. Now, he dealt with Abraham under justification. Then Abraham's seed was Martin Luther under justification. Now he comes to Abraham to the confirming of the covenant. And also he's coming over here to Abraham's seed in the confirming of the covenant for coming back to the blood. The killing of the sacrifice. Oh, do you see it? Say amen if you do. Listen. Then he comes back to the sacrifice. Watch, let me take this minute how the sacrifice was confirmed. And we'll hurry. I notice quickly. How do we do when we confirm a uh, covenant? Uh, I'll say to uh, uh, this brother here, stand up just a minute. Uh, you're a pastor. Have a church. You'll say, uh, you have a church? All right, so... Say it. You got a church? All right. Say it this minute. You have you have a church. You say, brother man, let's go out and have a little lunch together. All right. Would you come to my church for a whole revival? Let's see. Or I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll certain certain things. Yeah, I'll do that. Shake, boy. That's it. Be right there. Is that it? That's where we confirm our covenant. Is that right? By handshake. Eat a little something. Shake a hand. We'll agree. That's our pledge to one another, our right hand. Hurry there. We'll do it. That's the covenant in the United States. Well, you know how to do it in Japan? They go out and have a little bite to eat. And when they come back and they're going to make confirm their covenant, they get a little cruise of salt. And they stand and throw salt on one another. That's a salt is a contact, a savior, you see, which means that they, uh, that's how they confirm their covenant. But did you know how they did it in the Orients in the days of Abraham? I hope that I don't tear up nothing valuable. This little letter here, which has got a handkerchief in it, I want to use something. They've taken those sacrifices and killed the sacrifice. Uh, you understand uh, the three sacrifices was this time, meaning the three races, three generations, so and so. Now we have three church ages and so forth, uh, the last of the calling of the church. And then they kill the sacrifice. They come together. And upon the parchment which was the land skin, they wrote, I will agree to do so and so and so with you. Yes, we do that. All right. Will you meet this obligation? I will. I'll meet it. All right. Will you do such and such? Yeah, I will. I'll meet it. All right. They kill the sacrifice. They stand out in between these sacrifices, raise their hands to God, and take a vow. If they break this covenant, let their body be like this dead body laying here. Then they take this and tear it apart. One takes one piece, and one takes the other piece. Now, there's not a way in the world I've ever dovetailing that back together again. It has to be the same thing when we come together. I'm packing my part of it. He's packing his. Now, what did God do? 
He was going to tell him what he was going to do, how he was going to do it through a sacrifice, how he was going to make him a father of nations, and yet hadn't given him that name yet, but he's going to make him a father of nations, and he killed the sacrifice, speaking to him this, I watch. What did Abraham see? The first thing after he killed the sacrifice, he kept the birds off of it until the sun went down. When the sun went down, what happened? A deep sleep fell upon Abraham. Is that right? Genesis 15. A deep sleep upon Abraham. What's that? Death to every human being. All Abraham sees. What happened next after the deep sleep? Then black harness come before him. Then from that come a smoking furnace wherever sinner goes to hell. But after that went a little white light. And this little light went between the sacrifice. So you see what I'm going to do, Abraham? A little light. God is a light. And he went between this sacrifice, these dead pieces of body here. What was he doing? Making the covenant. Who did he swear by himself? He couldn't swear by anybody greater. You always swear by somebody greater than you. So there's nobody the Bible said that he could swear by because he's the greatest. And he swore by himself. Why? He'll keep the covenant with Abraham and his seed. I swear by myself. And I'll never vary one word from my covenant with you or your seed. What about that, sister? What about that? I'll keep my word. Swore by himself. The Bible said he did. I'll keep my covenant. I swear to you, Abraham, I'll do it. Speakless brother, and I don't need to pitch hard, but I just want to say one thing here. Look at here. Look what he did. How did he do it? How did he speak it up? Surely you're spiritual enough to catch it. What did he do? Christ was that royal seed of Abraham that was promised. Is that right? What did he do with him? He took him to Calvary. He lived on earth. He proved he was the Messiah with signs and wonders, knowing the secrets of the heart, perceiving their thoughts, proving that he was the Messiah that was to come. Have we caught that this week? Has the Bible said so? God's Word said so? He proved he was the Messiah. What did he do with him? He took him to Calvary. And he tore him apart. Raised up his body on the third day for his part. And set on his right hand. And sent the same spirit that was up on Christ down on his church. Hallelujah. To do the same work and same thing that he did. Where's your coming? Your peace is good. When that real genuine church of Jesus Christ comes to meet us the resurrection. That same spirit is in Christ who has to dovetail with that same covenant. Amen. I don't care what kind of tail of a Methodist, Baptist, Pentecostal, whatever you've got. If the spirit of Christ isn't in you, Amen. then you're not Abraham's seed. That's right. And you're not in the covenant. That's right. Because that's where he wrote the covenant. Uh, Amen. If you're different with it, read your Bible. Then the spirit. The Spirit of Christ is on the church. But a little while in the 
world will see me no more, yet you will see me for I. I'm the personal pronoun. I'll be with you, even in you. And the works that I do shall do also. I'll be there until the end of the world. These times shall follow you. Hang on, you unbelieving Methodists, you unbelieving Baptists, you unbelieving Pentecostals, who claim to be the seed of Abraham and then dispute his word. Say the faith of Pharaoh's is God swore about old he'd keep that seed alive through every nation, through every generation. The seed of Abraham. Yeah. Amen. But by the blood, he confirmed it in the 15th chapter. Now, let's go a little farther. What did he do? Justification and by faith, by believing. Justification to his seed. Is that right? Do Martin Luther. Sanctification by the blood. Is that right? Sanctification to his church by John Wesley. Now what? Abraham's a hundred years old. Turn to the next page in your Bible. 17th chapter. See if God keeps his word. Abraham's an old man. He's a hundred years old. He was right in one year. He was ninety-nine. And the Lord appeared to him in the name of El Shaddai. The bosom. Excuse me, young lady. My sister, L comes from the word of strong one. Shad means breast. Shadiah means breast. God, he said, I am Almighty God. Now, if you've got a Scofield Bible, or if you've got a Thompson chain, or if you get the anesthetic dot, or any commentary, you notice that that word broke down when he called him that. He called him El, I appear to him in the name of El Shaddai. What a wonderful message to an old man that had been believing that promise now for 24 years. And the Bible said he got stronger all the time. How are you feeling, Sarah? No different. Glory to God. Heaven. 15 years past. How are you going to feel, Sarah? Well, I, I, I just thought a bit different, but... Listen, I'm going to real be clean, and you listen. She has stopped at being a mother, or being a woman. You know, the 28 days from the time she was a little girl, it ceases about 40, 45 years old. And when God called her, she was 30, 20 years to pass that. Now look where she's at. She's 75 years old. Yeah, she's more than that. She's 81 years old. But look, instead of Abraham getting weaker, are you ready? Instead of Abraham getting weaker when he seen it didn't happen, the Bible says he got stronger. Amen. And here it's got to happen in a moment. Or we say, see, I don't see what this thing is divine healing. I lost my healing. You're a poor excuse for Abraham's seed. Abraham's seed bleeds just like Abraham did. Well, I'll tell you, but I'm not worried of him. I've just got to tell you, it's nothing you've done, it's what he's done. You keep thinking you're unworthy. Here, what if an old mare, back in the Bible time, would give birth to a, a little colt? 
or had it, say had a mule. And this mule was born, the both ears just flopped down. His tail stuck straight up. His eyes was crossed, his knees was both together. Well, if he could look in a glass and think it's his face, uh, boy, it's me. They'll never feed me. They'll just knock me in the head when they come out and see me. But what if his mother was got instructed in the law? She'd say, wait a minute, honey. Wait a minute. I know you're a horrible-looking creature. You're no good, but you're going to live. Because there is a law of God that says, you are born under a birthright. You're my first. Oh, God. Why don't you be a Presbyterian and want to go back and be a Pentecostal like it was at the first, the birthright? You can be a Pentecostal Presbyterian. You can be a Pentecostal Methodist. Go back to the first church the way it started. Say you were born under a birthright. I'm telling you, if you were born under a birthright, you what's going to happen? What's going to take place? In the morning, when they come out to the pastor to see you, you know what they're going to do? They are not going to knock you in the head because you're going to live, but they're going to have to reach over and get a lamb without a blemish on it. Amen. And they'll take that lamb that don't even have a blemish on it, and that lamb will have to die in your stead. The priest will never see you. Amen. Amen. Do you see it? Don't look at yourself, look at your sacrifice. Amen. God don't look at you, He looks at your sacrifice. Look at Christ. Amen. Don't look at yourself. I'm not worthy, you're not worthy, nobody's worthy. But He is the one. I'm not counting on what I've done, what I am, or I, I've never made it. But I'm looking at what He does. That's where I'm trusting what He does. He's my sacrifice. I'm not worthy of healing. No, sir, Lord, I ought to die long. I know I've never even been born. But I live. I've got eternal life. I'm going to heaven. Why? Because he don't want He took my place. I was not weak, cross-eyed, and every kind of condition, but he took my place. Amen. Here's speaking. I was all twisted up and all messed up, but he took my place. So he makes me a perfect son of God. A perfect daughter of God. His sacrifice did it, not mine. I had nothing to do with it. I was born all out of shape anyhow. But I, I don't trust in what I do, and I trust in what he does. What he was, that's what it was. Now, what did he say to Abraham? You're an old man, a hundred years old, Abraham. You're ninety and nine. But I am El Shaddai. I am the breasted one. Now we're on the, we pass the first junction, justification, justification. Sanctification, sanctification. Now remember that was things that God promised and did to Abraham, but here he said, I am the breast in God. Now you're old, Abraham. You're a hundred years old. But to me, you're no more baby. So I give you a promise, and I am the breast in God. I am the strong one. Lean upon my bosom now, and nurse from me my strength into your weak body. Getting him ready for the miracle. That's what he done to the Pentecostals after Wesley. He let the Pentecostals nurse his own strength, his own Holy Spirit, the baptism, back into their weak bodies to give them faith for the rapture. To give them faith for miracles. On El Shaddai. What he did to Abraham and to his seed after. Watch. Believing, confirmation, blood covenant. Now, injecting 
himself, his strength into his people. What does the word sanctify mean? You're good Methodist. Sanctification. Do you believe it, Brother Branham? I certainly do. It's God's Word. You believe John Wesley? Absolutely. He was the angel of the covenant of his age, the Philadelphian age. Luther was one of the sides back there. That's exactly right. And we got one coming, which is going to be a prophet. He'll be the Elisha. Exactly. Oh, you said he spoke of John there. No, no, that's Malachi 3. My same messenger before me. But remember, the, the Elisha was to come. The world was going to be burnt with fervent heat before the coming of that great day of the Lord. And it didn't burn before when John came. <laughs> Read the Bible, brother. Watch what he'll do. The question I hear that last word of Malachi 4. And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children. Is that right? Conjunction the hearts of the children to the fathers. See that dual coming of Elijah? I know these guys stand up today and say, I'm Elijah, I'm Elijah. Now, oh, that's nonsense. Why? Notice what happened. The hearts of the what? The children, the hearts of the fathers to the children. John's first coming, he turned the hearts of the old Orthodox fathers to this young message, the children. But in the second coming, he's to take the hearts of the children now and turn them back to the faith of the Pentecostal fathers at the beginning. Trying to restore it back. You'll be a woman hater, a wilderness lover. He won't belong to any organization. Don't think you're saving yourself, we have Abraham nor our father. Neither did John, neither did Elijah. God's able these stones arise, children of Abraham. It's going to come down Methodist, Baptist, or Presbyterian, Pentecostal. He'll lay the root of the tree, that to the root of the tree. He'll appear on the scene one of these days. Just watch him. They'll hate him. But after his mouth, he's in judgment. will strike the earth. He'll get away somewhere. So the judgments can strike. There's a little woman in there, you remember. And she had a husband, a man. He died when the Confederation of Churches stuck it in. When Elijah came out, he was sent to her. She's glad to receive the prophet's message then. So he sustained her by the help of God. Now watch Abraham drawing, nourishing in all the strength of God. What? Bringing in strength to get ready to have this child at a hundred years old. Not only is he the breasted one, he's the satisfier. The little baby, when it's sick, and a, a, a real sick, the mother takes it up to her breast and it begins to nurse her strength into the sick baby. And while it's getting well, it's satisfied. So is the real man that's got a hold of God and nursing in the Holy Spirit, knowing that he's satisfied that God's going to make every word come to pass. Abraham's seed. That's the real true seed of Abraham. I don't care what anybody else says. He says that God said so that hell that I'll say Abraham is good. And he's satisfied it's going to happen. He's bucking him around. The doctor might say, let me take your boat. You're dying. I'm not. Oh, you're just all upset. Well, you better go on back to your, your work because you haven't, ain't no such thing as that Holy Ghost. You don't know what you're talking about. I've had a hold of El Shaddai. <laughs> Amen. Amen. I know where I'm standing. Every devil could stand and throw fire in his face, he still wouldn't doubt it. You go right into the fiery furnace like the Hebrew children. Why? He's the seed of Abraham. 
No matter how long it takes, and he's been prayed for, and with all, whatever way he went through, he accepted somehow faith, giving that he believes he's going to be healed, he's going to be healed, that's all there is to it. He believes he's going to the rapture, nothing can stop it, he believes the Holy Ghost is in him because he sees the little signs of the Holy Ghost, he just might as well put talking to him. You just teach him, you can teach him all the theology in the world, he would do it because he wouldn't believe you because he knows what the Bible says. He knows that he's got a hold of something that's real. That's when God gave. Now, let's see what he done to Abraham. Justification. Justification to his church, to see. Sanctification to Wesley, that great messenger. Sanctification to Pentecost, through there. Pentecost, through here. See? Pentecost, nursing, bringing. How many understands that when he was El Shaddai, that he gave his own strength into Abraham? He never done nothing but made his promises, promises. But here he's emptying himself out into Abraham, literally. How many know that? That was the Holy Ghost. Justification is what you believe. Sanctification is what the blood did for you. You're sanctified by believing. But when you're filled with the Holy Ghost, it is the person of the Holy Ghost himself. The person. Not imagination, not some kind of psychology. And you, my Christian science brother, and you that don't believe that the Holy Ghost is a person, he is a personal pronoun. The Bible says when he, the Holy Ghost, has come, he'll testify. He is a person, not a thought. He nursed, not from the articles and from the promises, but he had now the literal life of God flowing into him. That's what the Pentecostal age done. Now, what did he become then? A son. Amen. Now in the Old Testament, we know, now we just got about 15 more minutes, we know in the Old Testament, what happened? In the Old Testament, there was such a thing as a son being born in a home. Now be sure you get this. Are you hearing this? Amen. I know you think I'm crazy this afternoon, or maybe all the time, but I want you to get it. Now watch what he did. When a man was born, or a child born into a family, he was born to son. Is that right? But he had no inheritance yet. He had to be tutored. Is that right? Now when you receive the Holy Ghost, that's where the Pentecost made a great mistake. Say, glory to God. We got it. In the Bible, when a baby was born on a, a man's farm, he went around and hired the best tutor he could find. I'll tell you a beautiful display of it. It's the 17th chapter of St. Matthew's, the Mount Transfiguration. You want to put that down and read it. How God did his own son, just exactly like God don't, He has to keep his own laws. He can't defile his own laws or break his own laws. He can't be God and just to do it. And he has to keep them to be just and holy and righteous. Notice what he did now. The baby, when it was born, the father was busy about things, so he hired the best tutor he could hire to raise the child. And then the tutor brought the word to the father how the child was progressing. Is that right, brother? We know in Galatians there in different places where the Scripture speaks of it. Uh, and it was called placing of a son. Now listen just for a few more minutes. Now, what if the tutor come up? I remember the father found the, if he loved that boy, he gave him the best tutor he could find. You believe that? That was his son. 
Now, he didn't want to buy, uh, get a tutor there would want to put a straw in his hat and tell him to lie about the child. He wanted to know exactly what was going on with that child. So he hired a real good tutor. And the tutor would come up now the thought as the boy was progressing and doing fine, how the tutor must up walk up and say, Damn. Fine. Well, what if that tutor was just, what if that boy was just a renegade? Wouldn't pay no attention. Wouldn't do nothing about the father. How the tutor must spell. And come up and say, Yes, sir. I, he's not doing too good. No, sir. I, I, I'm sorry, but he's not doing too good. Now you lukewarm church member. I'm going to pour on you good. Why do you think when God put his child here the church, what kind of tutor did God get for him? A bishop? Huh? A pope? Who did he send to raise his child? The Holy Ghost! <laughs> bishop of pope punches and want to straw and he has to be archbishop and, and all kinds of state seers and all these other kind of things. But the Holy Ghost will bring the true message before the Father. So how do you think the Holy Ghost must feel when it comes up before the Father and says, You're a Pentecostal women, cut their hair, brother. They're wearing makeup like the rest of them are. They don't go prayer no more. Your sons won't preach against it. What's the matter? What's the matter? Oh, they work the big building program. And they don't realize that I said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. Hallelujah. Yeah, they become earthbound. Yeah, they want to have the biggest organization. Oh, they're, 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 they won't tell the women that. They won't tell the man that. They're afraid to because they're good paying on the plate. I must blush. The Holy Spirit walks away from God. Shame Right, that's good. How did he ever do that to anything? You know what happens to that son? He's always a son. Sure, yes, sir. But he has no inheritance. Paul said, let's not preach the gospel and get a cast away myself. Right. He never comes to good inheritance. That boy's always a son, but he's just a renegade son. But one of the tutor walks up and says, hey, you know what? That boy of yours is a friend. Excuse the expression. I hope he's got religion to you. He's a chip off the old block. You know what? He's just exactly like you. Lord. He's just, just exactly the same thing you did. Amen. He, I tell you, when he sees anything wrong, he stands right there and calls it out. Lord. You can put confidence in him. I was going to say, yeah, that's my son. That's my son. I'm still on Abraham's seat. Amen. I ain't left that. I'm staying with that. That's my son. You know what the father does after that boy becomes... Proved to be a boy. Well, say the Bible said uh, this, but but of course now the the state presbyter would put me out if I preach that. Mm-hmm. They, they, if I tell them to see the Holy Ghost, they don't believe in that. Uh, I believe the saints. Oh no, 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 no. divine healing. I tell you what we do. We just draw up a bunch and we'll put all this sure healing stuff out and all this emotion. But the Bible still teaches it. That's right. Still God's word. You're a Methodist bishop or a Baptist overseer or a Presbyterian father or a Catholic priest or a Pope or whatever it might be. Nothing going to stop you if you're a real seed of Abraham. Yes, sir. You're not drawing your resource from some man-made system. You're drawing it from above. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
Preach it anyhow, and regardless of who it hurts, you preach it anyhow. Bob said, that's just the way I wrote my word, that's the way I wanted to be preached. That's right. <laughs> you know what happens? That's all that takes place. They have a ceremony for that son. They take that son out and put him on a special garment. You know that's right. Put him in a public place and perform the ceremony of adoption and place that son. From that time, that son's name is just as good on the check as his father's is. Is that right? Now God did the same with his son. He took Peter, James, and John and went up on top of the mountain. And when he done something major, he called three from heaven, Moses, Elijah, and Christ, and he gave three witnesses. And when they said, uh, let's build three tabernacles here, we'll have a denomination called the prophets. <laughs> we'll have one called for the law, the Adventists. Before Peter got through speaking, when the supernatural was done, he's all excited, he wants to make the denomination. That's where you latter rain, brother, made your mistake. That's where you siblings of God made your mistake. That's where you oneness made your mistake. That's where you church of God prophets is all you made your mistake. You saw the supernatural done, you wanted to draw a little rain around it and say, this is us. Why don't you leave it alone? If it's not of God, it'll come to naught. And if it is God, how do you uproot it? It'll stand right Move on. Keep your eye on Calvary. Keep drawing from El Shaddai. Stay with it. Make issues and separate yourself. That's what the devil said. Well, I can quit fighting now. They train their guns on one another. The ones that fight like that, I'm all right. Yes, they back and take a nap. Well, let them once get that thing out of their heart and get back here where they belong. Walk up this place, man. Let that great army stand by the millions. Yes, sir. Watch what will take place then. Let the Methodists drop their banners. Let the Pentecostals drop their banners. Let them both take a hold of the Holy Ghost. Yes, sir. He said, Lord, Lord, when I sat in breakfast, he said, Paul went to the city, had one convert come back, and, and another year he had 30 or 40 out of that one. So I don't have 30,000 come back and can't find 30. The only thing it is you had to make a dry eye confession, Billy, you don't take them far enough into the kingdom of God. That's what matters. But he's playing his part. Just a minute, we'll get to that. You'll just bear with me a minute. Notice, he placed his son. The same thing he done with Abraham. He called Abraham out. Now listen. Now, I want you to put on your spiritual understanding and keep quiet just a moment. He called Abraham out then at the end of this 17th chapter and uh, the 18th chapter there. He called him out and made a placing to him. He said, Abram, I'm not, your name is no longer Abraham, Abram, but your name is Abraham. You're not S-A-R-R-I, you're S-A-R-A-H from now on, Princess. What did he do? Placing his son. What is God's name? Elohim. Is that right? Elohim? Is that who he is? Lord God Elohim? Preserver of heaven, heaven and earth? And what did he do to Abraham? He gave Abraham part of his name. From Abram to Abraham. Elohim. Because he too was a father. Amen. Possession to give him the name. Abraham. From Abram to Abraham. Elohim, Elohim, H-E-I-M-H-A-M, Abraham. I want you to notice that we're just before the destruction now and before the promise is fulfilled. 
Watch just a moment. After you made him that, place his name now, position his name, fall into justification. You believe that? His seed to justification, sanctification through the blood, through the seed, filling with himself, pouring himself into his own shot out of the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, now placing him and giving him a part of his name. Elohim. A small Elohim. And man was born to be a God. Now, see, that's wrong. Jesus said, don't say your own laws, you're God's. Why do you condemn me that your own law says you're God? He was given a domain, the domain of the earth. The whole earth is only waiting now for the manifestations of the sons of God. If I'm a Branham, I'm a Branham, I'm a part of a man. And if a man is the son of God, he's made in the image of God and given the domain here on earth to rule this earth like God ruled it. And the second Adam proved it. And he stopped nature. Peace be still. Amen. Curse the big tree. Certainly he was a man. That he was God. He was a manifested Son of God. And that's what we're to be one of these days. We're just coming to it through justification, the seeds of Abraham coming up. I notice what he did to Abraham. Give him that name. Now, immediately, about three or four days later, Abraham had separated himself from Lot. Now, listen real close now. Are you ready to say amen? Now, have you followed it close to amen? You see where he's done everything that he did to Abraham, he's done to his seed? Say amen. amen. Right. Now, we're coming down now to the next thing. Now, watch our three classes. Now, what does the word church mean? Call out. Call out. Israel was the people of God when they called out of Egypt and they called church of God. Call out. The very word. Go get the dictionary and find out if it isn't called out. Now, what was Abraham? Called out and separated. He was the elected church. Like it represents the church today. Please don't miss this. Please, in Christ's name, don't miss this. Listen close. What he, Abraham, was out here in a weary, hard land, poor, no water for the cattle. But what did Lot do? He was a Christian too. He was a believer. So he went down into Sodom and, uh, and become the mayor of the city. Is that right? That's your denomination. Your lukewarm, so-called Christian. Down there, the sins vex all these drunkards. It vexes their heart, sure. It vexes their heart. Now, there was a sodomite, the unbeliever. There was Lot right there with him in his lukewarm condition. But here's Abraham. Amen. Oh, my. So the time is drawing near to the end now. And watch close. One day while Abraham was sitting under his oak, he saw three men come walking up. Just on their clothes. And Abraham went out and he said, My Lord, will you come in for this cause you come? Something that Abraham's heart made him believe in something about that man. Well, he come in. Now, not my Lord's. Three of them. He said, My Lord. Lot, the old backslider, said, My Lord's. But Abraham seen three of them and said, My Lord. Elohim. See if the Bible doesn't say that. He knows where he was at. He's Abraham's true seed. My Lord, come in. Sit down. I'll fetch you a little water. You wash your feet. And I'll give you a morsel of bread, and then you'll be on your road. You sit down, and I just got the old fly bush. How many of you ever know what a fly bush was? Man, man, how many times I've used that. And so you run out in the herd and got a little fat calf and killed it and come, said Sarah, 
Way back over there in the tent, I want you to need some bread of citrus. Did you ever see a citrus? We used to have to go around citrus. Mom had a wedge in it where the cornmeal get wet and stick shit, rub it through, because you had to make every bit count you want. And you rub the citrus, said, need some, and put it up on the hearth. They didn't have a bread pan. They just took the hearth there, a big rock laying out before the fireplace, and cooked this bread back away. Said, I have a little feeling that there's somebody strange out there. Looked out there, they were dusty, ordinary men, sitting out there in the shade tree, resting. And they cooked and got the calf ready, got the, the lamb chops all fixed up, and got the corn cakes ready, got some butter, and they got some milk from the cow, and he went out there and sat down, and they ate it. And Abraham called that man Elohim. God eating the meat of a calf, drinking the milk from the cow, and eating corn bread, butter. Now, if you want to argue about it, you just, uh, Abraham talked to him, he called him Elohim. The Lord God Almighty. What was it? Show them what the seed's going to get. Watch now. God, some minister said to me one time, I spoke one night here a few days ago, he said, he said, Reverend Brown, you're too intelligent person to say that that was God. I said, then I'm not intelligent enough to know the Bible said it was. And he said, do you mean that God was there with a the, with the clothes on and it just the Almighty Jehovah? I said, Abraham called him Elohim. Then who do you think the other two was? I said, two angels. He said, well, how did he? I said, as soon as he needs that, he vanished. I said, well, what do you know who our God is? I was like, I told him my two or three hairs I got left, you know. Uh, my wife said to me, he said, Billy, you're almost bald-headed. I said, I had not one. She said, pray tell me where they are. I said, all right, sweetheart, I will. Tell me where they were before I got them. They were a substance. And wherever they was before I got them, they were there waiting for me to come to them. <laughs> Hallelujah! Elohim came down in human flesh, eating like a man. 
operate like a man. Now, if you want to argue, then argue with him. Notice what happened. And there was one stayed back to Abraham, and the other went down to preach to the lukewarm church, a modern Billy Graham. Did you notice how strange in this last days how A-P-E-R-H-A-M, the one the covenant was made with, and a man in his covenant preaching to the lukewarm church, G-R-A-H-A-M. You ever think how strange that was? Well, not Billy Sunday, but G-R-A-H-A-M, the messenger to the lukewarm church that caused all the problems. And one stayed back with Abraham. Watch what the, the one done went down and preached. What did he do? He screamed, Cry! Amen. What did he do? Not many miracles. Wasn't very much done. Only he blinded their eyes. And preaching the gospel blinds the eyes of the unbeliever. Amen. What was it? He blinded their eyes so they couldn't find the door. Amen. That's what's the matter now. They don't know the door. The door is Jesus, the living Holy Ghost in the church. Preached all right, but he blinded them from that door. Dave America was in the past, but he's still God, and so forth. Get out of here. What's going to burn it up? That's right. Watch that one that stayed back with Abraham. He gave, he gave a sign back there, too. Oh, oh God. Women in them days are not like you are today. Every time somebody comes up to the man, they have to get on the shorts and not cut the grass and, you know, tend the husband's business and everything. They stay back in the tent with long. Lord. <laughs> if they take all the women out of these offices around here with husbands and all the law working and putting where they belong and take these women police off the street, a disgrace to this thing on the flag, and put them back in the work. <laughs> the angel sat down and began to talk to Abraham and said, I guess you know why I came down. A lot. He didn't say Abram. He said Abraham. Well, just a few days before that, he was Abram. Abraham? Where is your wife? Sarah, S-A-R-A-H. See if that's not. Just a few days before that, he just didn't give him that name. How did he know his name was Abraham, and how did he know his wife's name was Sarah? See, she had to run out and got her husband's business, so... Abraham, I listen to the Bible, I'm quoting the Bible. Says she is in the tent behind you. Is that right? A lot. Abraham, I am going to visit you according to my promise. <laughs> Who was it? Who was Abraham calling Abraham? I'm going to make my promise fulfilled. And Sarah, excuse me, young lady. Sarah, back in the tent, a lovely woman. But she said, me? No, woman. Nearly a hundred years old, and my Lord, her husband, a hundred Jews, and I had pleasure with him again. You understand what I mean, don't you? As husband and wife, it ceased to be, see? Said, I had pleasure as a young woman again with my, with my husband out there. When that may have been 20 years past before such a uh, family relationship, see? Me, an old woman, had pleasure with my husband, and him, an old man, and she said, And this angel, Elohim, in flesh, looked at Abraham and said, Why did Sarah laugh? Same within herself, these things do not do. 
See what kind of sign the elected church got? See what kind of sign Billy Graham's again? See what it is during the elected church? It's God in your flesh. Manifesting. And didn't Jesus say, as it was in the days of Sodom, so shall it be as the coming of the Son of Man? Do you see it now? Yes. Now we're past justification, sanctification, baptism, the placing of the gifts of the Son in the church. Now it's God manifesting Himself for that sign. And I ask any Bible reader to show me one more sign he done before after that. Now, now that, that's going just a little piece farther. He said, she's in the tent behind you. Now look, God would have condemned that woman right there for disbelieving an angel. You see that? But he couldn't do it. And the way some of you Pentecostals, us Pentecostals, were acting, we'd have been kicked out a long time ago, but God can't do it. Why? If he'd have kicked out, if he'd have kicked out Sarah, she was a part of Abraham. So she was heirs with him. So he had to kick Abraham out too, so he couldn't do it, or he got his wife, he got the husband. So that's the way it's because of Christ he can't kick us out. We're his sons and daughters. Our underneath doesn't mean nothing. The real true seed of Abraham was shining anyhow. There was. Listen close now. And the angel said, I'm going to visit you according to time of life. I'll let the name have it. And Abraham went with him and he vanished and went away. Out into the dark somewhere he went. Turned back to God again. Have we seen justification? We see sanctification? That's just the Holy Ghost? Coming into the body of God? Have we seen the placing of gifts in the church? Now have we seen the manifestation of God? The last night, oh what? Immediately God did something to Sarah and Abraham. Now you're not going to believe this. But it's so anyhow. You see, what you want to read the Bible, you don't read it just like you read it in the newspaper and they had an explosion the other day down over us, true or not. They tell us so many things that's wrong, you just can't pay attention to it. But when you read the Bible, it's a love letter to the church. The Bible says, Jesus thanked God for hiding from the eyes of the wise and prudent and revealed to babes such as are learned. When I go overseas, my sweet little wife will write the letter. Dear Billy, I'm sitting here tonight with the children. We have just put them to bed. Uh, little Joseph cried a little night for you before I went to bed. I know what she's, what she's writing, but I love her so much I can read between the lines. I know what she's talking about. That's when you have to read God's Word between the lines. If you love me, he just reveals it to you. You thought, well, you just watch it. Here it is. Well, say, here it is. Sure. Now look, you know what he done to Sarah and Abraham? Well, this is real quiet. He changed them back to a young man and woman. Now, don't you prove he did Now, listen close. The first thing you know immediately, Abraham and Sarah left that land and went down to Berea. Is that right? Made it on the map. But a long ways for an old man, little grandma, little bonnet on her head, you Now you say, oh, what did they say? Well, the Bible says they were well stricken in ages past the time of living a human life. Yeah. Little grandma, here she goes. They go down there, and when they got down there, there was a, a young teen down there named Emily who looked for a sweetheart. And all that beautiful, pleasant girls down there, when he see Grandma coming, he said, that's the one for me. He fell in love with him, so your family was gone. Shame on Little Grandma could not even live with her own husband after three years and made fun of the angel, even saying she'd do it. He made her a young woman. She was beautiful and fair. Now look, let me tell you something. He would have had to, he'd done something to her. Now what if he just made her first? What if he just, uh, if he did that, they didn't smoke cigarettes for them, they didn't have to raise their babies on bottles. See? 
that it had a bad race on the bread. The milk veins had dried up. A woman, a hundred years old, going later, she'd die in a minute. Certainly she would. He had to give her a new heart. He had to give her milk veins. He had to fertilize her womb. He had to look what he had to do to Abraham. His body is good as dead. He just changed his act. Because he's showing what he's going to do to the seed of Abraham. See? Notice. He went down there and so and they fell in love with her. How many old this up? And took a free life. And he was going to come near her because she was a beautiful girl. And that night, that real good legalistic brother was laying out there. He was said his prayers and stuck his bath and stuck his toes up. Mars was there, this beautiful Hebrew girl. Boy, just only a hundred years old, see. You know? How, just as how pretty she was, your young husband sitting out there. And that night, the Lord appeared to him in dream and said, You're just as good as a dead man. Right? I want to ask you something whether you're all, you're all right for your healing to see you or not. Why, well, he said, Lord, you know the integrity of my heart. He said, that woman told me that that was her brother. He said, that's a man's wife. Listen, here's the part. Like they was at the first time they could have had the baby anyhow. 
because they lived together with a young man woman. He had to change her body in a different way in order to get the son. Is that right? Their body had to be changed in another way to receive the son. And we cannot, if we would go back to the young men and women, we still can't meet the son because they're going to meet him in the air. We've got to have a changed body to meet him in the air. That's the next thing for the son and The trumpet shall sound the next thing. The real children of Abraham shall be changed. This body made right and will go right. If we go back to be young men and women, we still be earthbound. If Abraham and Sarah went back to be a young man and woman, they could have had a baby because they were still sterile. But he changed them in order to receive the promised son. And as he did with Abraham, what I brought everything down to Abraham, everything to Abraham's seed, and here we are right here today waiting for the rapture at once. Immediately after that comes the change. And the son. Are we looking for the son? What kind of son are we looking for? The son of God. Rising with healing in his wings. Hallelujah! Abraham and his seed after him. Now do you understand? You see, while I'm so enthused, I've got about 10 or 12 more scriptures here I should get to. But we haven't got time. I want you to have your church tonight. I should be on the road home 20, 30 minutes to go. But do you see what I mean? What he done to Abraham? He did to his seed. Is that right? right. What was the seed? The nation. What wasn't just the people God deals with Israel as here says the man sitting right here. They come to me the other day and he said, I'm trying to get to be a missionary to uh, the Jews. I said, forget it. These little straggling Jews are not the Jews that God talks about. God deals with Jews not as individuals but a nation. Israel's ready to receive the Spirit when Elijah and Moses appears to him as the rapture of the church. The next thing is the fig tree putting forth its bud. That's the truth. So they're coming to their homeland, but Israel will be received as a nation. We're an individual, Abraham's seed. So now, we are, that was the Holy Spirit. And you just mark the two young folks in your book and see how, how for that right is. But now, the Gentile church is finished. There is Billy, G-R-A-H-A-M, is Sodom, pulling out them Sodomites, step as hard as he can. The angel of the Lord here, amongst the elected church, has been called out, called holy Lord like Abraham, crazy, why don't you come on down and associate yourself and have fun with the rest of us, we're living here on the rock and things like that, but there's a true sheet of Abraham who's going to touch the world and the things of the world. Why is that? What's the message going? A man met me the other night and said, Brother Adam, if you just compromise a great man of a full gospel church, said we'll take and furnish an airplane if you join our organization and we'll take we with this gift to every major city in the world and blast this thing for if you just compromise a little bit upon what you're teaching. I said you with a doctor's degree have to serve of God to compromise on the word of God. Hallelujah. I can't think of such a thing as that man. I said, no sir, there's no compromising to me at all. I said, I believe God's word teaches the coming of the Son of God. I believe in the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I believe in the signs and wonders of all the believers. That's exactly what God said. That's what I stand by. That's what I believe. Amen. Now, I know that it's true, and we've come through Martin Luther's justification like Abraham did. We've come through Wesley's sanctification. We've come through the Pentecostal age, and now we have seen the placing of the gift into the church. And now what are we seeing next? 
God manifesting himself in flesh, discerning the very thoughts of the heart, exactly what Jesus said would come to pass, and the next thing is a change of another body to receive the promised son. Let us bow our heads. Heavenly Father, I don't know nothing else to say at this hour. Surely the people can understand, Lord. We're at the end time. Science says that we, three or four years ago, we were two minutes until midnight. Or three minutes. I believe that the great hand of God reached out and stopped time. The pyramid cap is just about to be set on top. The church is being honed down and seeing its last sign. Lord, let the people wake up and realize they're looking for something way out there in the future that's happening under their nose and they don't realize it. If the devil can make them see that, Lord, he's got them whipped. Let them realize, Lord, that this, this Holy Spirit that we're enjoying and have been for all the years is you. It's Christ, the covenant that God made with the human race that we could be sons and daughters of his Spirit dwell in us. And we do the same thing. Who was that Elohim down there? Why was you, Jesus? The anointed one that anointed a body of flesh to show that in the last day you had made yourself manifested in human flesh. And we see you do it every day and night. And this has been going on now for the first time for 2,000 years. And here we are. We come through Luther's age. Like you took Abraham through Wesley's age, like you did Abraham through the Pentecostal age, it organized itself and it dominated and set back on the shelf. Church moving right on, right on little isms trying to come up, but every plank that my father has a plan to be rooted up, died right out. But here we are now to see God dwelling among us, showing himself, we're waiting for the rapture, the change, that we can see the Son of God coming in glory one of these days. He'll never touch his feet on the earth, but we'll be changed and caught up to meet him in the air. As you changed Sarah and Abraham and made them in condition so they could see and receive the promised son that they'd waited on, God, I pray that you'll change our mortal bodies one of these days. Like that vision or translation of whatever it was the other night. We'll be caught up one of these days, changed just, Lord, I believe it with all that's in my heart. The old become young, the power of God, Lord. One of these days we'll be sitting in a meeting, some out in the field, some grinding at the mill, and all of a sudden there will be a scream from heaven. The old driver is coming. Then stand there with our hands there and know that we're sons of God and join every day with him through Jesus Christ, the royal seed. Know that the same signs that was done there at Abraham, we see it done today and promised by Jesus Christ as it was in Sodom, so shall it be. Before Sodom was burned, the world will be burned again. And before the burning the second time, the same thing will occur again. And we see a Billy Graham down in Sodom preaching the gospel to that intellectual group, trying to call them out. Miss Lot with all of her parties and her loved ones and uh, didn't want to leave. And we see the modern women with shorts and paints and haircuts and like the sodomites. Dressing themselves like prostitutes, sexy so that men can look upon them. And then be guilty for committing adultery with that man. Though be pure in their body. But whosoever looketh upon a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already. Committed with her, she'll answer for it. We see Miss Locke doing the same thing. God, how we can stay with this till in the morning. 
the morning and the next morning. Oh no, how that sun came and how it was sacrificed. How that ram was on top of the mountain. Not a vision, but a ram that God had Abraham to kill instead of his own son and blood run out of it. Blood don't run out of vision. It was a ram, Jehovah Jireh. God, you're able this afternoon to provide yourself a sacrifice. You're able to provide yourself a church. You're able to provide ministers that will rise up and preach the truth regardless of what organizations and denominations and bishops and popes and so forth said. You're Jehovah Jireh. I love you, Lord. I love you. And I commit this audience to you. I commit my precious brothers here who believe this same gospel. God, I pray that you'll make them mighty men of God. Oh, God, that'll lay through the healing line the gospel. Not compromising with anything, regardless of what it costs them. I pray that you'll do this wonderful people in here this afternoon the same thing. Now, Lord, I've preached the word as clear as I know it. I've showed them by types in a childlike form that anyone could understand. Now, Lord God, creator of heavens and earth, Elohim, you're still Elohim. I pray that you'll bring your spirit in upon us this afternoon. And your great power will come and show us the very visible sign that you showed Abraham and Sarah before that hour comes. Ready, Lord, this church when I leave this afternoon. Oh, eternal and blessed one, that they might know that you are a God. Grant it, Lord. Grant it, I pray in Jesus' name.